Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. Suppose your second grade child came home from school and said, Today we learned that 2 plus 2 equals 10. You might think that Maybe your child wasn't paying close attention, so you gently correct the error and include a few examples of simple addition facts, just to be sure. Now, suppose your second-grade child comes home from school day after day, and everything being taught in science and math class is blatantly false. Moreover, You are a parent who paid attention in your science class, and you can verify that what is being taught is just not true. Many intelligent and educated parents are facing this dilemma on a regular basis and have no effective means to monitor or control the curriculum in their children's school. On a national level, Suppose our government declared that the earth was indeed flat and proposed a multi-trillion dollar project to build a seawall around the edges of the sea to prevent water from escaping. You think that's crazy? Absolutely. So why would you feel any better about spending trillions of dollars to destroy our economy, to reduce our standard of living to third world levels, to cause massive human death and starvation and disease, and to live under totalitarian rule, all to reduce the Earth's temperature by one one one-hundredth of a degree in the next 10 years. And while we are creating catastrophic hardships for our citizens, we are doing absolutely nothing about the Earth's two biggest polluting nations, China and India, both of whom are busy building coal-fired electric plants and everything else. It appears, however, that millions of our fellow citizens firmly believe in the biggest international hoax since the Cardiff giant, namely that unless we reduce our lifestyle back to the Stone Age, our planet will self-destruct in a few decades. The greatest scientific failures in history have occurred when science was used as a tool of government to advance their self-serving agenda. Galileo, for example, was imprisoned by the Roman Catholic Church for stating that the sun, not the earth, was the center 
of our solar system. In that era, without the high-powered telescopes, computers, rockets, and satellites of today, neither Galileo nor the Church could prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Although Galileo was correct, he lacked hard evidence sufficient to successfully challenge the religious and political power of the Church. The real tragedy is that two generations of our children, our school children, are being brainwashed to believe that climate change is caused by human activity and that human beings can prevent planetary disaster only by giving up the scientific and lifestyle progress of the past century. Moreover, these impressionable children have been misled to believe that man-made climate change, that lie, is a scientific fact proven beyond any doubt and therefore cannot be challenged. Anyone who disputes the dogma of the Church of Climate Change is guilty of heresy and crimes against humanity, even if it is their own parents and teachers. After a commercial break, we will return to discuss all this with David Wilson, a teacher with a master's degree in general science who recently retired from the Cherokee County school system. He will share his unique and personal outlook on this issue. We are back with David Wilson. David Wilson has a 28-year history in public education. David has a Bachelor of Science degree in general business with a minor in economics and a master's degree in general science. He is certified to teach physics chemistry, biology, and earth-space science in three states. He has taught upper-level science courses at Murphy High School, including general physics, honors physics, advanced placement physics for college prep, along with two courses in chemistry at Tri-County Community College. His advanced placement physics class successfully launched and recovered a photographic payload into the stratosphere using a weather balloon with a camera and tracking device. Their device captured over 400 NASA-quality pictures of our Earth and atmosphere. His class was one of the first high schools in the United States to accomplish this feat. David Wilson, you have an impressive history of personal accomplishments in science and education, and it is my honor and privilege to welcome you as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you, Dr. Davis. It's good to be here. So, David, what are your thoughts on this whole issue of climate change? Dr. Dan, my thoughts are we are brainwashing our kids, and it's a one-sided story. And I've gone back and I've looked at the history of this thing, and it looks like, to me, they're making a big deal out of a small amount of data. So if you look at the data from the 1970s to the 1990s, you have about a tenth of a degree increase which is basically a blip on the radar. 
and they're making uh, a huge inference saying that if we don't stop this, the next thing you know, we're going to be up to a half a degree, and then after that, we're going to be up to a full degree, and the earth is going to get too hot, the uh, ice caps are going to melt, sea levels are going to rise, and man's going to be in trouble. Don't you think it's kind of foolish that here Earth has been around, they're estimating about 2 billion years, and they take 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, and they try to make a whole scheme of events based on what what is, as you said, a mere blip in this entire 2 billion year history. I personally went back and looked at some data from North Dakota. It covered 125 years. And I hear a lot of times people, when I talk about this topic, they'll say, well, if you look at the data, it shows that the earth is warming up. The average person, and this is no criticism, but the average person probably doesn't know how to do data analysis. So I looked at the data from uh, North Dakota for about 125 years, and what I saw was uh, temperatures that ranged mostly in the average and I calculated the average temperature and I calculated the standard deviation and the standard deviation was somewhere around two to four and this information showed me that there was indeed a trend and surprisingly Dr. Dan the trend was toward cooling. So even in this short period of time, you found a trend toward cooling. And of course, if you remember the original Earth Day back in the 1970s, they predicted that, and this is just amazing to me, that by the year 2000, that they would the Earth's temperature would drop 11 degrees and 80% of the species on Earth would be, uh, would be frozen out of existence. I mean, how stupid is that? That's correct. And they made those uh, predictions. Of course, they're wrong. You seldom hear any of these guys going back to make corrections. But uh, that's indeed what they said. So they predicted this enormous uh, cooling trend. And actually what was happening is things, (laughs) things got warmer. So what did they do? Well, what they did was they created a new narrative, and the narrative was things are getting hotter. Uh, When you talk to people, when I talk to people about this topic, and it used to be called global warming, now it's called climate change, uh, they had to change that name. And the reason they had to change it was because the climate or the, the globe was not warming up, so they had to take specific climates on the globe to say that it was warming up. And so when you go back and look at our past history of the Earth, you mentioned that it's a small amount of time, that 125-year period. And when you look at the time period over the ages, which involve millions of years, what we actually find is that the Earth maintains a fairly balmy climate. And things were not out of whack. Things were fairly normal somewhere in the 50s to the 60-degree range. Well, I mean, it's interesting when you look at the history of Earth. And if you uh, if I had a geologist here, and as a matter of fact, I did have a geologist on this program about three or four years ago. And we were talking, obviously, about this subject. And she said to me, you know, there was a period of time when the surface temperature on Earth was 430,000 degrees. She said, I think there's been a fair amount of cooling since then. Yeah. Um, 
I'm always amazed when you hear people talk about how much hotter it is today than it was yesterday, so to speak. Who decides what time period we're talking about? So when you look at the uh, different websites, the meteorologists, the climatologists have arbitrarily chosen 30 years. So if you're warmer now than you were 30 years ago, there's been a climate change. Well, 30 years is not a lot when you look at millions of years. And that's really what you have to look at is not our current time. We have to look at geologic time to get a real picture of what's going on. I think it's kind of interesting that exactly what you said, you know, because where we are sitting right now, 20,000 years ago, was covered with a glacier two miles thick. And we wouldn't be sitting here, of course, unless we had our parkas on and, and whatever. But just 20,000 years, which is realistically in that two billion year history of Earth, it's nothing. That's correct. Uh, a good friend of mine, former professor at University of Wisconsin, took a world trip, toured around and saw ancient sea levels, how they had risen, fallen, and that water had to go somewhere, and it was locked up in the ice. So the ancient ports that were higher up now on the cliffs now, the water's down. Where is it? It's locked up in the ice. What does that mean? That means that we had a climate change. But back in the day, back this recent as the Roman period, you know, we didn't have industrial activity back then. And so this whole thing, I think, is a giant hoax. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we, we have science, we have history evidence of what kind of things were going on in various time periods. So we know what people were able to do. Uh, we know, for instance, that a thousand years ago, the Vikings had farms, farm animals, and raised crop in Greenland, which is now covered with a two-mile-thick glacier. Uh, and obviously, for about 300 years, they had settlements there. And then, and then <clears throat> things got a little cool, and their, their animals started dying. They had no crops, and they were forced to leave. But there's very, very good archaeological evidence that they were there having a farming existence in what is now uh, absolutely covered by a glacier. That is correct. So my question to the people that are members of this uh, movement, so to speak, why do we have to take such short-term uh, data and extrapolate so far into the future? So there is a topic that uh, the climatologists talk about, and it's called radiative forcing. And a lot of the average person probably doesn't know that. But what that means is they have to look at the amount of heat coming into the earth and that's being absorbed, and they have to look at the amount of heat that's being uh, uh, thrown out into space. And what they have found is that it's fairly balanced. But what the other people, the people that want you to believe this uh, other narrative, wants you to think is that this thing is totally out of balance. And this energy that's coming in is being trapped, somehow magically trapped, by a thin layer of carbon dioxide that we're adding to with our fossil fuels. It's funny you mentioned carbon dioxide. Every time I hear carbon dioxide as a poisonous gas, I mean, I, these are that's said by people who obviously flunked third grade science, wouldn't you think? I would think so. I'll uh, tell the audience, 
Uh, I did, when I was teaching uh, at Murphy, I did an experiment. I took a meter that measured carbon dioxide levels, parts per billion, and I turned it on in the classroom, and it was up around 2,000 parts per billion. So I asked the kids, does anybody feel like they're in danger? And they laughed. And I said, let's go outside. So we took it outside in the fresh air. It dropped to about 400, 400 parts per million, which, which is about where uh, it's at today. So 400 parts per million is is what we know is really necessary for adequate plant growth. That's correct. And I don't have to tell you, and you can go ahead and tell it again, that there is a balance between animal life and plant life. You have to have photosynthesis. It's very important to have carbon dioxide. And every kid knows that if you don't have a, a good level of carbon dioxide, photosynthesis stops. And a lot of people don't realize that if you don't have a certain temperature, that you don't have that either. So it, it, they do better when it's a little bit warmer than when they uh, than they do when it's a little bit cooler. Well, the other thing, of course, that is important is that if you don't have plants, we starve. That is so true. That is so true. So if we don't have adequate carbon dioxide for plants to grow, we're cutting our own throats, aren't we? Dr. Dan, I want to mention something to the audience. It's the thing about models. Uh, Scientists use models. Now, by definition, you can say a model is a a small uh, thing that you could uh, represent a larger thing with. And it's something that you can manipulate. It's something that you can look at, learn, use to predict. They use it to predict the future. They learn how things behave. Uh, aerospace scientists, for example, would build a spacecraft or build an airplane and predict how it's going to behave. Well, scientists build models, computer models, to predict climate. And I've had the uh, pleasure of talking to one of our scientists who was assigned to the team that went to Chernobyl when that nuclear reactor blew up. And he went over there, and they had their models, and he was telling me about how they developed them. And he said, according to how they adjusted the variables, the prediction of where that nuclear fallout was going to go was wildly affected by the adjustment of one variable. So you could throw a model off with just one little tiny thing. And he said, what people, the average person, doesn't realize is that models are only as accurate as the stuff you put in. Let's talk about models. I think, I think that's a very important topic. And you, as a scientist, you understand models. What goes into making models? What goes into making models is first you have to have a full understanding or a close understanding of a process that you're trying to study. And that's an inherent problem with with this topic of climate change because we do not have a complete understanding of what makes this planet spin around. We think we know we can predict things with models like local weather and future climate, but what we find out is that Mother Nature will have her way. We can predict one thing and she ends up doing something else. Uh, I'm reminded about the uh, scientist that went down to the Antarctic. They were a climate change scientist and they went down to prove that the sea ice was melting and they wanted to bring it to the world's attention. And they went during the summer. This is around 2013. Guess what happened? 
Well, their ship got locked up in the ice, and they sent a rescue ship to dig them out, and that ship got locked up in the ice. Now, this is what we're dealing with. Scientists that believe in this kind of stuff, they want to prove it, and something catastrophic like that happens, and they turned around and used it as evidence of climate change. They said this never would have happened had the climate not been changing. And that's one of the very important difficulties with with all models, is there's so much variability. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything, everything